it's Easter, isn't it? So everyone's playing God here. Thanks so much for coming. Good to have you guys. Heroes. Heroes of the church. <laughs> so we were going to look, um, me and Andy were talking through what to look at and what, what do we want to look into. And we've not done a book series yet. Um, mainly because it's such a new thing, the church, sort of setting like vision and values and priorities and all that. But we thought actually Galatians would be really fun. Uh, really poignant to look into um, for a couple of things. I mean, there's a lot that's to be said about living holy lives in Galatians and what that actually looks like now. And so I suppose I'm going to start that and I think we've got planned four weeks. We'll see how it goes. If it goes longer, it's all good. At least four weeks um, on holiness and what that means to us as a people who want to live intentionally missional lives as well. So, the book of Galatians, just so you guys know, a bit of background, um, was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul, um, and it's written to the churches that he had seen form and grow during his missionary journeys with um, Barnabas as well, and you can actually read about it happening in Acts 13 and 14, so all the incredible stuff that's going on in Acts and all of the, the volatile stuff, and actually it's around the time where Paul gets stoned and thrown out of a city and kind of brought back to life with the disciples around him and brought back into the church, um, into the city, sorry, to then go and keep preaching the gospel. So all this crazy kingdom stuff is going on. People are being called to stand up and healed and all this stuff. Um, and the Galatians are right in the middle of all this. And it's an interesting dynamic that you see because in this Jesus movement, there's kind of a split going on. So there's the Messianic Jews, the, the Jewish guys that have given their lives to Jesus, that become followers of Jesus, who have the heritage, obviously, of the, the faith and of the traditions and all that stuff. And then, with this, like, release of the gospel through Paul, initially, there's just this explosion of non-Jews or Galatians, Gentiles, sorry, whatever you want to call them, um, who are beginning to follow Jesus too. So there's this massive explosion of Jesus followers. Um, and you can see this at play because it brings with it a difference in how people think the gospel should be lived out and what it's all about. So um, you all know the parable of the old wineskin and the new wineskin, the new wine going in old wineskin, bursting and all that stuff. I think like this book shows you so much of that actually happening to the church. So the old wine is, um, I'd say is the kind of where the messianic Jews have come from, the old covenant, which has been fulfilled in Jesus, but a lot of their culture is still back because they don't believe in Jesus, you know, yet they're being pulled out of it. So they are coming from a place of being very religiously acts and law-oriented and um, all this religiosity was demanded by their culture and their people and they're coming from that tradition. But what's happening with, the, with Paul's new church plants outside of that culture is that they're just exploding into this freedom of Christ and often they have the opposite problem going too liberal but they also very easily grasp and embrace the true freedom that comes in Jesus from the oldest come and the newest come um, and how it's not a law based but a, a relationship based faith with Jesus you know and it's a lot harder for the, the messianic Jews and you see in this um, that actually like some of the some of the church in Jerusalem is having issues with the Gentiles, the non-Jew believers, you know, the Jesus followers out there. 
because the simple stuff like they're not the guys aren't circumcised or they're not they're eating some funny kinds of food or they're not cleansing themselves you know this kind of stuff so um and paul basically brings it all back and calls out some of the big names like peter um it brings it all back to jesus in a very black and white paul way um and explains how the this new freedom is more easily embraced by the gentiles um but that forgiveness and faith is not works based it's not law based but it's actually faith based in jesus and that it's not what people do for themselves as in it's not what how you feel the fulfill the law it's the new way the new wine of the church in this relationship in this i believe in you jesus i give my life to you i have faith in you and it's such a twist you know so you can see all this going on so that's a really quick kind of summary of what's going on in galatians i thought i'd just read the start of it to you guys what's really interesting though that all this is and this is why it's applicable to us it's about holy living and it's about the gospel applying it but on mission all of this is the galatians are on mission you know and the messianic jews are equally on mission as well the church is one which they are you know even if they see themselves differently or whatever at this point they're all one on mission together a very mobile church and it's really exciting to think and you can read i think it's acts 13 15 is where about all of this is going on um and there's a big uh, religious argument that happens in Jerusalem with all the leaders like Peter and Paul and Barnabas and all those guys <clears throat> about stuff like circumcision and they kind of decide what the the non-Jew Jewish um, church should do like don't eat blood and stuff like this but they, yeah it's really interesting so this is Galatians from the beginning chapter 1 Paul an apostle not from men or by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you, by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to change the good news about the Messiah. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel, other than that what we have preached to you, a curse beyond him, as we have said before, I now say again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to what you receive, a curse beyond him. For am I now trying to win the favour of people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I, were still, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. So Andy chatted on Sunday a lot about um, dignity. We've come back from the States, from California, having this word from the Lord, you need to let go of your dignity. It's a big part of the keys to unlocking Glasgow, unlocking the mission field and seeing God's spirit move and you know it can it can be vague, I feel like we're honing in different aspects of it um, Andy brought fear of man to us on Sunday and what that looks like when it comes to dignity and I've been thinking more and more about that and for me sometimes dignity is interchangeable with fear do you know? 
Like, I want to keep my dignity. What I'm really meaning is, like, I don't, I'm scared of letting go of my reputation, or I'm scared of doing this or whatever. Um, I want to remain dignified. Um, it's an interesting concept. And I see it again here um, in the way that we share the, gus- the good news or the gospel. It can be affected and it can be warped and it can even be lessened in its effect and its power through our own sense of dignity or of fear. So allowing fear to shape the way that we, we even share the gospel. And you can see this here. This is what's going on. Because um, Paul's saying there's no other gospel, right? Yet there's some people who are troubling you, telling you there's another gospel, or there's another way to do this apart from the way of Jesus. Like there's these other laws and these other things you need to follow. All to fit in with the culture. Whereas he says, like, am I trying to win the favor of people, verse 10, or of God? Or am I striving to please people? Am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. I mean, classic black and white Paul there. Like, if you are fearful of people at all, then you can't be a follower of Christ. We know that's not, like, true. But I think there's a sense of growing in following Jesus, becoming close to him, and letting go of fear. Like, at some point, there's going to be, like, fear and Jesus don't go together. They're just like, and Jesus is going to win. And Jesus will grow. But it takes a very intentional step in our part. So, letting go of dignity, for me here in this verse, means not agreeing with fear. The fear of man, like Andy brought to us on Sunday. Fear of losing our reputation, of losing our standing, of looking a fool, of worse. Like, physical danger like Paul went through. Just general fear is stopping people from preaching the full gospel. It's funny. I feel like, I don't know, like, it's easy to become religious in the way that we share the gospel, but I don't want us to do that. I don't want us to be... um, fake in the way we do it and in pretending that we don't struggle with fear I want us to be authentic before God and bring fear to him but knowing that the the more we follow Jesus and the closer we get to him and it's the process of step by step in walking in faith you're going to let go of those fears and there's going to be some intentional moments where you're going to have a choice Um, like for me today it's simply like sharing a dream with my dad who's not a believer Um, that was a really intentional moment of stepping out. Potentially, you know, he could, what was the worst that could have happened? I mean, before it, you're freaking out, but in the moment, you're like, actually, he could just say, nah, that's nonsense, or don't be ridiculous, or, you know, even, like, insult me or whatever. But then, um, for me, that was like a mini step in growth and letting go of fear and saying yes to Jesus and being closer to him. Um, so I suppose what Paul's calling out of us here is, What's our priority? To love and walk with God or to be accepted and defined by what people think of us? Especially when it comes to sharing the gospel of Jesus, the good news of Jesus to everyone. And, I mean, I'm guilty of this too. And I think God's so gracious and loving in in the way that he teaches us and shows us what the gospel means in our lives. And for me, it's been a subtle change in my mindset of, 
shifting how I think about the gospel. Like, I want to shape my life to be in alignment with the gospel and not the gospel to be in alignment with my thoughts or life, you know? And that's what the church is struggling with here. The old way, they're trying to make the gospel fit with the old laws, and, but it just doesn't because it brings so much freedom to people. And it's the same for us. Like, I sometimes allow the gospel to be shaped according to my own fears, you know? Or my own fear of man, or whatever. This is an ongoing, like, challenge for us, I think, to let go of this fear and let go of the dignity. It's going to be fun. Um, Okay, so what I thought we could do now is do a really quick... How many people have we got? I've got eight, brilliant. Let's do, like, a one-on-one, so, like, get in pairs, and we'll do a quick DBS on verses... 11 and 12. Okay? So super quick. And I'll give you like five minutes to do it. So do you literally just want to like pair up where you are? Yeah? <laughs> so it's... There you go. Right. Do you guys so it's chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, just those two verses. You've got like five minutes, so I want you to read it and reread it again. And then you can retell it if you want to. And then answer these two questions are slightly different. So, first one, what does this tell us about the gospel? The second one, what does this tell us about Jesus? Okay, let's share about it. Someone, give me your thoughts. About these two little verses. John's like waiting for Ruth. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's fine. Does anyone want to share back about any thoughts? Yeah. 
heard and doesn't really like take effect. But when someone really hears, it's night day. Yeah. So what does it tell us about Jesus? Going on from what Rosh said. These two verses. What else does it tell us about Jesus? It tells us that he's he's alive. Mm-hmm. And he makes himself known mm-hmm. to individuals. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who teaches us. And it's real. Spot school teacher. <laughs> 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 no, it's good. Mm. I I noticed like two things from the, these like two verses that really stood out to me. One that it's about Jesus and it's a revelation from Jesus, like you said. So the gospel, in essence, is supernatural in power. Do you know? It's not just about words and convincing people, like you said. There's a supernatural underpinning element to the gospel which I love and then secondly the gospel is all about relationship because to a murderer walking down a a road who's about to go and you know commit more (coughs) mass murder Jesus turns it to him and reveals himself to him and pursues him out of love love for the other people of course but love for Paul obviously so it's about a relationship and it's about Jesus revealing himself and the gospel facilitates that and gives him space to come and to meet whoever it is, wherever they're at, whatever they think of God, in a supernatural way. Which is really, like you said, Ross, it's, it not only takes the pressure off, I think it brings expectation. Mm-hmm. It removes fear. We're not on our own when we preach the gospel, when we speak about Jesus. We're absolutely not on our own. There's so much weight and power in the spirit behind it because that is what Jesus wants. And he wants out of love to go and to connect with people in a deep supernatural way, which is really exciting, do you know? I think we all need to be encouraged to remember that when we're, especially if we're starting out, like I feel like I'm starting out is sharing the gospel again with people in a new way, do you know? And it does feel a bit daunting sometimes and you feel like you're not getting it right, but it's okay because for every word that's spoken, there's a thousand things that I'm sure are happening in the spirit, do you know, that are unseen. I can ask you if we can see them maybe. Um, so we, we put like living holy in Galatians and we want to bring it into context with the gospel and for me holiness is different from religiousness and that's what Galatians is all about it's all about holiness as a result of a growing and deepening relationship with Jesus with the living God it's a result of re- relationship with God and there's going to be more about this I'm just going to wrap up the mini-series in a couple of weeks, whenever that is, um, talking about this set theology, so living-centred instead of living-bounded, um, which is actually really fun. We have a lot of jokes with centred set, like centred set dieting. It'll all make sense to you really soon. <laughs> then you can all laugh with us. It's really geeky. Geeky theology chat. Martin likes it. Um, so I was going to read a little bit more of Galatians just to give us a bit more um, context of what's going on to the church and um, missionally and just to to reinstate that in sharing the gospel and in working this out there's like never any condemnation over any of us in Jesus name and that even like Peter or Cephas as he might be called in your version um, and even Barnabas at one point 
they get caught up in some of the mistakes that the Messianic Jews make and um, it's interesting that within community, I mean this seems a bit of a rowdy community to me, but in a, a trusting God-centered community we can hold each other accountable and encourage one another and build each other up and keep each other going and sharing the gospel and making sure our gospel is Jesus-centered and Jesus-focused. So I was going to read, um, jump to chapter 2, 11 to 14. Obviously feel free to read as much as you want at home in between. But here's a bit more of what's going on in Galatians. Freedom from the law. This is what the gospel is about. Verse 11. But when Cephas, or Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For he regularly ate with the Gentiles before certain men came from James. However, when they came, he withdrew and separated himself because he feared those from the circumcision party. Then the rest of the Jews joined the hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were deviating from the truth of the gospel, I told Cephas in front of everyone, If you who are a Jew live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? It's really interesting here, as a total side note, to see the dynamics going on between like Peter and Paul. So Peter, his apostle, the apostleship to the Jews, to the chosen race, the old covenant. And you can see where he's coming from, because he's obviously very um, sensitive to their culture and to how they think. But I don't think Paul sees this at all, because he is sent to the non-Jews, to the Gentiles, who think totally differently from the Jewish population. And... You can see there's a personality clash going on. And I think the stuff that Peter was doing was obviously important to his ministry. Yet the important thing here is that he was motivated by fear in simply not eating with the Gentiles at this point of separating himself. Um, his, the, the issue that Paul had with, with him was that he was clinging on to what are they going to think of me? What are these people that I'm sensing going to think of me? Which is a hard thing to do, you know? What are these people that I'm sensing, my friends or my colleagues or whatever, what are they going to think of me if I do this outrageous thing? Whereas if we think about it from the perspective of the power of the supernatural element of the gospel, maybe in that moment if he let go of his cultural dignity, or whatever it was, and embraced the new freedom he had, and in front of the Messianic Jews and whoever else was there, ate with these Gentile people ate whatever food they were eating which I'm sure wasn't kosher um, it could have been a powerful spiritual supernatural gospel moment of salvation and let alone transformation for the messianic church who knows what could have happened um, but don't take any guilt or condemnation but take an invitation from this take the invitation that there's more there's more for us from Jesus especially when it comes to living missionally. Like, listen to this, verse 16. Where is it? Know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we might be justified by faith in Christ, not by the works of the law. Verse 19. For through the law I have died to the law, so that I might live for God, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I have now been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
I think that's what Paul's getting at at the very beginning. Like, who am I pleasing, God or man? He's saying, if you are alive with Christ, then he's the one who's in you. He's the one who motivates you, helps you to think and act like him. So remember tonight, like, relationship, when it comes to holiness, when it comes to everything, relationship with Jesus comes first. And it's from that place that we discover how God wants us to live, how he desires we live, and how he's designed us to live as well in relationship with him and what's best. Obedience and holiness come from a place of knowing God and it's not the other way around. Do you know what I mean? It comes from a place of relationship, wanting to know him more, trusting in him, knowing that he, he's got our best interests at heart and also our biggest kingdom potential. He can see it according to how we live with him. Um, so for tonight, I mean, we're going to get more into the holiness chat, but for tonight, holiness to me means letting go of fear and saying yes to a life more fully following Jesus, for me. Um, and I wanted to just invite you guys now, we're going to finish up tonight with just a little bit of ministry, a chance to pray with one another, a chance to seek God about anything that he's revealed tonight. So let me pray. Let me pray a minute. I'm just going to invite Jesus to come and to, to reveal. Holy Spirit, you, it's your deal, it's your game. It's your moment, the, the moment of revealing to us, of convicting us, of bringing things up, of transforming us, drawing us closer to, to the Father through Jesus. So Lord, we come to you tonight. And again, Lord, will you reveal to us, will you show to us where we are allowing fear to influence us and to hold us and to dictate how we speak and act and live. With the Holy Spirit of your guide, just have a think. Where are you allowing fear to hold and influence you 